0: You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com.
1: Really excited this morning. Uh, One of two reasons. One is this is my first time ever preaching in front of a live audience, in front of people. Uh, I did preach back in December of 2020, but it was in front of a camera and um, our recording or feed just kind of malfunctioned, didn't work. So this is the first time ever preaching in front of a live audience. And two, I don't know if you guys saw this past week or not, that there was a bear in Irwin, like a black bear. Uh, wrong slide. We should have a video of this. Um, there, is a, there was a bear at, at Irwin Park. Um, if we don't have the video, uh, I don't believe so. Uh, it was in the creek of Irwin Park, Irwin of all places, It was actually moving throughout downtown Irwin. I believe it was on Cedar Street at one point. It was just kind of everywhere, and a black bear in Irwin, of all places. And that has me thinking about a story that took place September 30th of 2016. And Todd Orr, and social media, that is a day that they will never forget. You see, Todd Orr went hiking, in in one of the most beautiful parts in all of the United States is southwest Montana. I don't know if anybody hikes or has visited southwest Montana or not, but supposedly it is beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. And Todd went to hike that morning, about six or seven in, in the morning. He got up, he was prepared for his hike, and made his way out into the woods. Within a few miles of hiking in the woods, Todd came across that picture, a grizzly bear and her cubs, which, can we throw it back up on the screen? A grizzly bear and three cubs. What is the saying that you never should do with a mama bear? Don't mess with it, right? Don't mess with mama bear. And that bear is massive, massive. So Todd saw the bear. I love to hike, me and my wife love to hike, and if I see a snake, they can kind of vouch. I freak, freak when I see a snake. Like, I'd rather be in the ocean dealing with great white sharks than a snake. But Todd saw a grizzly bear, and they locked eyes. The bear saw Todd and Todd saw the grizzly bear with her two cubs. Todd kind of froze and and made sure the bear just kind of made a way over the ridge and into the woods. And Todd froze for about a minute and then journeyed on. The bear was out of sight, it was long gone with her cubs, and he walked, as he was walking this way, a noise, a crackle behind his back caught his attention. That same grizzly bear was about 30 yards running straight towards Todd. And not like the movie bears, you know, that are like lethargic and overweight and slow, and no, this grizzly bear was the real deal. Todd recalls that this grizzly bear was moving downhill, low to the ground, and ears back. It was ready to attack. It means business. And Todd, being prepared as, a, as an outdoorsman, had bear spray, had a pistol, had a knife with him. He kind of had everything with him. He reached for the, pepper spray, that's all, or the bear spray, that's all he could reach for, sprayed a huge spray of, of bear spray, and yelled as loud as he could. So he was a human. And the bear just had all the momentum coming downhill and it was too late. And the bear landed on top of Todd and attacked him, mauled him, bit his shoulder, scratched his arm, was on top of him. And Todd recalls this what seems like an eternity, but it was only just a few brief seconds. And something inside the bear's mind snapped and it left to go back to protect its cub. Todd was on the ground for a few moments picked himself up, checked his vitals, like made sure he was okay, brushed himself off, kind of regained composure, made sure his wounds weren't fatal, and he made his way back to his truck to go to the hospital. A few steps into his hike, Todd, after the uh, adrenaline rush weared off, he kind of regained actual like mental composure, made his way back to his vehicle, same noise over his shoulder. The same bear that attacked Todd the first time, attacked him again. Yeah, like attacked him again. This time Todd had zero time to turn to kind of self-defense and the bear was on top of him again. And this time it was worse. The bear this time stood all fours on his body. Todd was face down in the dirt, hands over the back of his neck just like this To protect the back of his neck, but the bear this time, every single time it clawed or it bit, was like little tiny sledgehammers with teeth. Shredded muscles, shredded tendons, shredded ligaments, broke bones. It left Todd with a a scar about this big on the side of his head that just kind of ripped flesh. It's kind of gross, but just kind of ripped flesh. Todd was in bad shape, bad shape. And the bear was still on top of him. Again, felt like an eternity, but only just a, a few few brief seconds. And the bear left. And Todd laid there lifeless. Todd laid there lifeless, trying to gasp for air. Still bloody, still the injuries of the previous attack, but also now all new injuries from this other attack. And Todd, after a few minutes, was able to pick himself back up, bloodied, again, checking his vitals, making sure he was okay, and made his way back to his vehicle, back to his truck. On the way back to his truck, Todd was able to make a few phone calls to the police, to the game warden, and more importantly, to the local hospital. Todd drove himself to the hospital, and he walked in to the ER. They put him right in the operating room And Todd was in the operating room fighting for his life for eight hours. Eight hours. That's a work day. You're in surgery for eight hours. And it's actually more likely, statistics show that it's more likely to be struck by lightning than attacked by a bear. It's also more likely that you will die of a bee sting than be attacked by a bear. And Todd or was attacked not once, but twice. Crazy, crazy stuff, crazy, crazy stuff. Now, you're probably thinking that you're not going to go out to, to Lynn Run today or Ohio Powell or even, maybe even Irwin Park and see a bear or even get attacked by a bear. But that story, I, I believe, has some parallels to what we face in our everyday life. We don't face bears. We face giants, and the bear to Tatar was a giant. A few hundred-pound grizzly bear. It was massive. And I believe that there is, is an incredible parallel, again, to the story of Tatar and the grizzly bear to, to the giants that we face in our life. And before I continue, I just want to define this term giant that we face in our life. And, and I came up with this definition. Hopefully this kind of echoes and, and kind of lands uh, on good soil. But a giant to me is something that causes us to lose focus on who God truly is. That if we have a giant in our life, if we have something in our life, it's going to cause us to lose focus on who God truly is. And you see, we all have these bears or giants in our life. They come out of nowhere and attack us. That causes us to lose focus on who God truly is. And maybe your giant isn't a few hundred pound grizzly bear like Todd Orr. But maybe your giant today is uh, in the form of your mail that comes in bills that you can't pay. And you'll just continually rack up debt. Maybe your giant is being a people pleaser. Raising my hand, I like to please people. Maybe your giant is... In pornography that you can't turn off at night. Maybe your giant is in the form of a substance that you can't get away from. Maybe your giant is something that you've been holding on to that you can't escape anger, frustration, bitterness, loneliness. Your own, get this, your own thoughts can be a giant in your life. In the list, can go on and on. And I know that these are very difficult things that we walk through. I don't say any of those lightly. Uh, I I take a a lot of ownership with mental and emotional health. Those are very, very difficult things that we walk through. But I believe that if you have uh, the story of Todd Orr and you look at that story, there's something about that story that As I was reading this and 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 preparing for this, that really struck me. That Todd Orr went out hiking, kind of did his morning routine. He got attacked by a bear twice. Like, usually you would die within one attack, but he survived a second attack. I asked the question, like, how did he survive both of those attacks? It could have been luck, It, it could have been fade, it could have been the way that he was protecting his neck. I believe there's two things about that story uh, of Todd Orr that really rings true to when we face our own giants. And one is being prepared. Todd Orr was an avid outdoorsman. He worked alongside uh, companies that dealt with cutlery, so knives of outdoor knives, of uh, fillet knives with fish or any knives used with deer or, or wildlife. Todd knew the outdoors. And second... It's not luck, it's not fate, it's, it's not protecting himself the way that he should have, which that is all good. But the second is, is God. Preparedness in God. And when we face our own giants in, in our life, I, I believe that, that God ultimately speaks to every situation that we walk through. Every situation that we walk through, God can speak in that situation. And preparing for this message, uh, I went to one of the most famous moments of human history, one of the most famous passages of all of Scripture when dealing with a giant is David and Goliath. And David and Goliath is found in the Old Testament. It's found in First Samuel chapter 17 verses 1 through 58. I'm not going to read all 58 verses today, but I encourage you if you have yet to read the story of David and Goliath, please, please go read David and Goliath. There's a lot of rich history. There's, there's a lot of story there, and there's a lot of also pointing forward of things to come. But it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 1 through 58. And I'm going to just give you a, a very quick, brief overview, kind of spark notes of, of kind of what's happening in these 58 verses. I'm going to really just going to give you uh, the who is in the story, the what is happening, and where it's taking place. Side note, if you read Scripture, if you read God's Word, ask God's Word reporter-style questions. Who, what, where, when, why, how. Typically, it's in the passage you're reading. But this morning, I'm going to just give you a overview of David and Goliath. The what. The what is actually found in the first couple verses, and I'm going to just read. Verse one. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Soca, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soca and Azekah, maybe, and Ephesus, So they're gathered for battle. They're gathered for a war, which is the Philistine army and the army of Israel or or God's people. And all throughout the Old Testament, the Philistine army was a thorn in the Israelite army's side, like constant throughout the Old Testament. And they're at it again. The Philistine army was in battle with the army of Israel. The main characters I will give you. There's going to be kind of two main characters, and there's going to be kind of one sub-characters, plural. Uh, The very first one is is David. David is is in these 58 verses. And David, this is the same David who was a shepherd. The same David who was a harp player. The same David who killed a bear and a lion to protect his sheep. That's very vital. And later, he was a man after God's own heart. In Goliath, Goliath was a Philistine champion. It's recorded in verse 4 that he was a Philistine champion. In Goliath, some scholars say that that Goliath stood roughly 9 feet tall. Um, Kind of back in the day, it's anywhere from like 8 to 9 feet tall. Uh, Goliath wore armor that weighed roughly about 130 pounds. That would be terrible. In battle with 130-pound armor. His helmet alone weighed about 25 to 30 pounds. His armor weighed about 160 pounds total. Like, imagine carrying that into battle. Imagine carrying that to work every day. Like, Goliath was going to work today to fight and to go into battle. And he carried that with him into battle. Goliath also had a shield bearer. Basically, they just carried his shield. Like, Goliath was this massive human being. And then you had David, who was smaller, who was younger than Goliath. He was... Scrawny compared to to Goliath. And the sub-characters I will get to is King Saul and all of the Israelite army. So those are the characters, David, Goliath, King Saul, and all of the Israelite army. And I'm gonna just read three verses today, and I'm really just gonna kind of focus in on these three verses. And it's found, if you have your Bibles with you, if you have a U Version app on your smartphone, or there should be some Bibles in the pews maybe, uh, I'm gonna just read 1 Samuel 17, verses eight through 11. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. He speaking of Goliath. Why should you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. I'm gonna stop there. Goliath is basically saying here, that he is shouting to King Saul and all of Israel um, that whoever would fight Goliath, whoever would win from Israel, if the, the Israel side would win, the Philistine side would then serve all of Israel and then flip that, vice versa. If the Philistine side would if, if Goliath would win the battle, the war would be over and the Israel army would serve the Philistine army. In verse 11, this is where I want to kind of nestle in this morning and, and just kind of camp for just a few moments. Verse 11, it says, When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines speaking of Goliath, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Some translations use the word terrified. Wait, wait a second. King Saul and all of Israel were terrified Because of someone yelling and shouting at them. I'm gonna read that again. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you can relate to someone yelling at you, screaming at you, and putting you down. Going into a a fight that you already lost because of the words said to you about you or maybe the words you said about yourself and you already lost the war. There is such power in words. There is such power in words. And scripture tells us that this happened for 40 days. 40 days. The army of Israel was truly paralyzed. They had no warrior big enough, strong enough, brave enough to even step foot to Goliath. And fast forward to an unlikely hero. David enters the scene. The son of Jesse, a mere shepherd, a harp player, someone who wasn't even allowed to be in battle, came to the rescue. David wasn't allowed to be in battle because he was the youngest of eight. He was very, again, just very small uh, in stature. And he actually uh, was just running food to his brothers and running food to, to the troops. He'd be at home uh, tending his sheep and kind of tending his flock, but he'd just run food to them. That's why David was not in battle. But David enters the battle with a particular mindset that I want to focus on in verse 45. If you jump down First Samuel 17, verse 45 says this. Then David said to the Philistine, "You come to me with a sword and with a spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied." David entered the battle with the mindset of God. Not of carnal military tactics and weapons, David entered the mindset David entered the battle with the mindset of God. And the rest is history. You see, David stepped foot, to the, stepped foot to Goliath. David had God on his side, and David entering the battery, David entering the battle, had an unlikely weapon—a slingshot—and picked up five smooth stones from a brook nearby. Trusted his previous training defending his sheep from lions and bears, and eventually slung a stone and hit Goliath square in the forehead, causing him to conquer the giant. And I can guarantee that none of us are facing a nine-foot giant in our lives, but what we are facing seems far worse and far bigger than Goliath or even the few hundred-pound grizzly bear that, that or faced. And I believe that the story of David and Goliath shows us that we alone can't conquer our giants and we need supernatural help. I believe that the story of David and Goliath shows us three things. And if you guys like to take notes, whether pen and pad, whether on your phone, the very first one, the voice of God is louder. The voice of God is louder. If you look back at the story of David and Goliath, King Saul and all the Israelite army listened to and heard the voice of Goliath. King Saul and all of Israel listened to and heard the voice of Goliath. They weren't listening to or hearing the voice of God. Scripture tells us, again, in First Samuel 17, verse 11, that upon hearing the taunts of Goliath, King Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Like, what? Like, just hearing a voice is making you terrified and dismayed. They were dismayed by a giant they haven't even fought yet. That happened for 40 days. Goliath would yell and scream. And there are so many voices in this world. Voices of fear, voices of anxiety, voices of distrust, voices of control, voices of, again, people-pleasing, voices of your own friends, voices of your own family, your own voices. There are so many voices in this world that are loud, that are always ringing in our ear. And I believe that if we can lean into the voice of God, I believe that we can hear the voice of God clear, just like listening to a radio that is on FM instead of AM. How many have ever listened to a radio that's on AM that wasn't supposed to be on AM? It's legit static. But if you listen to the radio on FM in a, in a, a very good spot, the radio is clear. That's the illustration I believe when we take time to focus on God's voice, what it is. Listening to a radio that is on FM instead of AM. And Jesus says this in John chapter 10, verses 1 through 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I love verse four. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Verse five, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And I was reading that, preparing for this message, and Uh, A a question I just want to leave with you guys and God convicted me of this is whenever you have a giant in your life, whatever that giant is, and its voice is loud, are you following the voice of your shepherd and fleeing your giant or are you following the voice of your giant and fleeing your shepherd? How are you processing that? How are you processing the voice of God compared to the voice of your giant? Because if you're not careful... The voice of your giant becomes really, really loud, and the voice of God becomes really, really low. Just that question Are you following the voice of your shepherd and fleeing the voice of your giant? Point number two the presence of God is bigger. You see, Goliath was this huge nine foot giant that was causing fear, rejection, tibbidness, and downright quitters in the army of Israel. Goliath would come down on the hillside and yell insults at the the army. You cowards, you won't step to me. I'm gonna defy your God. That's not how scripture exactly words it, but you get my point. For 40 days, again, Goliath did this. He'd come down off the hillside day after day, week after week, and yell insults at King Saul and the army of Israel. And maybe you feel like that. This morning. Maybe you feel like your giant is coming off of your hillside and yelling insults at you. Maybe you'll never get out of debt. Maybe you'll always have this lifestyle. Maybe you always have that mindset. Maybe you'll always be stuck in this broken relationship. Maybe you always have this addiction hanging over your head. Maybe you will be X, Y, and Z. Maybe you won't fill in the blank. You see, the voice of Goliath, I believe, mimics the voices of our giants today. King Saul and the Israel army were paralyzed. And I believe some of us, and myself included at some points in my life, are paralyzed because the voices of our giants that are yelling in our direction. But I'm here to tell you this morning that whatever voice of your giant and whatever they're yelling at you, I'm here to tell you this morning that the presence of God is bigger. Jesus makes this declaration and promise found in John chapter 16, verse 33. One of the more famous ones about uh, overcoming things. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Pause there. Jesus promises that, that in this world that we will have trouble, that in this world we will experience things that are out of our control, maybe that are giants and in our life, that are, that are bigger than us in our life. That he actually promised us this in scripture. In this world, you will have trouble. See, if the verse ended there, it would kind of be terrible, to be honest. Like, I just not want to read that. But it doesn't stop there. There's another word that I love in scripture, and it's the word But. But I have overcome the world. Jesus makes that promise and declaration that I have overcome the world. Jesus makes a ridiculous, outlandish statement that he has overcome the world. You see, no matter what giant you are facing, Jesus has already overcome it. Jesus already overcomes anxiety. Jesus already overcame depression. Jesus already overcame lust. Jesus already overcame any substance that you have in your life. Jesus already, over, already overcame anything that is a giant in your life. Why? Why? That's a promise in scripture. Jesus has already overcome it. Why? Because of his death, burial, and resurrection from the grave. And my last point this morning this is really where I, I believe the, the crux of, of this whole message series is, and I believe that this message is. The very first one was God's voice is louder. The second one is God's presence is bigger. And this is actually a statementslash question. When you're facing a giant in your life, Are you God-focused or are you giant-focused? You see, David wasn't giant-focused entering into the battle. He was God-focused. David sees Goliath in verses 23 through 27, and it's recorded that David's response is this in verse 26. And David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David had a God focus, not a giant focus. And get this, when we major in fear, David majors in God. When life throws things our way, when we have giants in our life and we, we major in fear, look at David. David majored in God. David majored in God. David had his ears tuned into the spiritual frequency of God's voice. Just as in point one, God's voice is louder, so much louder than the voice of your giant. David had his ears tuned in to the voice of God. He understood that no matter what he faced, whether it be bear, lion, or Goliath, that God was bigger. David had a heart of worship to see God for who he truly was. David spent hours upon hours, upon hours, upon hours, and I can go and go and go worshiping God. David was preparing himself even before stepping foot into the battlefield to fight Goliath because of the worship and the time spent with God that he had. Just as in Todd Orr, he prepared himself, knowing the the wilderness, knowing how to, encounter bear attacks, knowing what to do in case of a bear attack, David prepared and trained days, weeks, months prior to even fighting Goliath because of he knew the voice of God was louder. He knew the presence of God was bigger, and he had a God focus, not a giant focus. And you see, just like in David and Goliath, when David came to the rescue of all of the Israel army, with an unlikely hero of David and an unlikely weapon. We actually have the same thing come to our aid in the midst of a giant. We have an unlikely hero in the name of Jesus Christ come to our aid and use an unlikely weapon, the cross of Christ. Jesus is our unlikely hero and the weapon of choice is an unlikely weapon, the cross of Christ. The cross was a torture instrument and Jesus used it to defeat the ultimate giant sin in your life. And today, we have the access to the incredible power that Jesus offers us with his death, burial, and resurrection. And you know what's really remarkable about those three words put together, death, burial, resurrection? It actually signifies baptisms, what we're going to experience today. And maybe you've walked in here this morning And maybe you've been following Jesus for a few days. Maybe you followed Jesus this morning. You said yes to Jesus this morning. Maybe a few years. And maybe one of your giants is taking the, the public step of faith to proclaim it to people around you that you're a follower of Jesus. We actually have an incredible opportunity this morning. There have been people registered for baptisms, but we're also offering an opportunity that if God put in your heart to be spontaneously baptized, we have leaders out in the foyer that have lanyards on. It says, I'm here to help in their name. They want to connect with you if, if, if this is you, if God's speaking to you this morning. We have bags of clothes for you. We have a towel for you. We have everything you need. We have a space to change. We have everything that you need. Every barrier from our end is taken care of, and all you have to do is say yes. That if you've never been baptized as a follower of Jesus, Baptism doesn't equal salvation. It's actually because of salvation you become baptized. It's a public proclamation, confession of your faith to your family around you that you're a follower of Jesus. And this morning as, as I close, I just want to encourage you before we sing a, a worship song that if you have a giant in your life, that if you're facing something that is bigger than you, that is stronger than you, that is faster than you, that you can't seem to outrun. I've been there. My big one, just being really vulnerable and honest, uh, is self-doubt. I just struggle with that. I struggle believing in myself. There are certain parts of my life that I'm better at than others, but for the most part, that's just something that I'm still navigating and walking through. Just like you, I am also listening to the voice of God and making sure that the voice of God is louder than my giant, knowing that God's presence is bigger and I am God-focused in that moment, not giant-focused. And this morning, we're gonna sing Egypt again. And I love this song. My wife beautifully put it this morning and she just said the chorus, that we have a God who fights for us, the God of every victory, that no matter what battle you are facing with a giant, no matter what battle you are facing in your life currently when you walked into this morning, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, that we have a God that fights for us. That we have a God that is bigger than every single giant in your life that you are facing. I encourage you, as we sing this song, I'm going to invite you all to stand. As we sing this song, if you are facing a giant, if you carried something in this morning with you, Hand it over to God. Be like David. Declare that God is bigger than Goliath. Declare the mindset that you have that the mindset of God, not the mindset of Goliath. Would you guys all stand with me as, as we sing?